the reality of the rapture. I'm Debbie Taylor-Williams. Have you ever said or thought, I wish this would all end? Perhaps you were in the middle of a crisis. No doubt those fighting in war, innocent people suffering the consequences of evil, those in pain or in danger call out to God, how long? Have you cried out those words? God, stop the war, stop the evil. Or perhaps, God, take me home to be with you. As the last days become increasingly evil and dark, the believer's hope and longing for Christ's appearing will grow stronger. Our focus today is on just that, his appearing, the rapture of believers to himself. We're looking at this topic because it's important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it as we do, while at the same time respecting the viewpoints of our fellow Christians who hold different views. Indeed, as 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So let's consider, is the rapture an event spoken of in the Bible? In fact, if you're new to the study of end times, you may even be asking, what is the rapture? So let's start there. When studying end times, rapture is a word used to describe the event spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Let's look at these verses because they are packed with information. The key players are Jesus, the Lord himself, and both deceased and alive believers. We see that because in verse 14, he calls them brethren who believe that Jesus died and rose again. Some of the believers are dead as seen in verses 13. He describes the dead believers as having fallen asleep in Jesus, likened to a baby falling asleep in their mother's arms. So are the believers who fall asleep in Jesus, protected, safe. He then goes on to explain that those who have fallen asleep in Jesus will rise first to meet Jesus. Then those who are alive will be gathered to meet Jesus with them in the air. So we have two groups of believers. Some are deceased, asleep in Jesus, the others of believers twice identified as alive and remain in verses 15 and 17. The first Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17, coming of Christ to gather believers to himself in the air is what is referred to as the rapture in eschatology. Now, why do some not believe in the rapture? First, they say the rapture is a concept that was invented by a man in the 1830s. However, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17 was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not devised by man, and around AD 50 to 51, not the 1830s. Being caught up to meet Jesus in the air is not a concoction of the human mind. A second reason people argue against the rapture is because the word rapture is not in the Bible. However, neither are the words Trinity or Bible for that matter. 
yet we readily accept those words. As the word Bible points to the Holy Scriptures and the word Trinity points to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, so the word rapture points to Christ's return in the air, gathering believers to himself. Why the word rapture? The New Testament was originally written in Greek, then translated into Latin and then English. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, as well as other verses, include the Greek word harpazo, which means carry off by force or caught up. When the Bible was translated from Greek to Latin, the word harpazo was translated into the Latin word rapturo, from which we get rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is not the only place, as I mentioned, where we find the word harpazo or catching up. Acts 8.39 records Philip, after he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, that the Spirit of the Lord snatched harpazo, rapturo, Philip, away. 2 Corinthians 12.2 and 4 record Paul's experience of being caught up to heaven. In verse 4, Paul writes that he was caught up, harpazo, rapturo, into paradise and heard inexpressible words. In addition, the Old Testament includes verses that refer to a snatching away or a catching up of believers. Genesis 5:24, for example, says Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. John, who wrote Revelation, experienced being caught up to heaven. He writes in Revelation 4.1 that he was told, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. And that immediately, he says, he was in the spirit. Behold, a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. In Revelation 10.10, he writes, I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. John was caught up to heaven. Some Christians refer to the 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17 event of the rapture as the first phase of Christ's second coming. Whether you articulate it that way or not, it's important to recognize the following distinctions between Christ's gathering believers to himself to meet him in the air, referred to as a rapture, and the second coming of Christ to earth. First, the timing of Jesus' coming in relation to the Great Tribulation. The rapture is considered by many Christians to occur before or perhaps at midpoint of the Great Tribulation. Why? Note that there is a distinction in the Bible between tribulation and Great Tribulation. Jesus himself makes that distinction, saying in John 16, 33, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Then, when answering the disciples' questions about signs of the end times, he says in Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. Jesus makes a distinction between the ongoing, ever-present tribulation that is a part of life and the great tribulation that has not occurred since the beginning of the world, not even the Holocaust, or ever will be until the end of the age. 
Christians who hold to a pre- or mid-tribulation rapture are not denying the call to take up their cross and follow Jesus. They are not looking for an escape from suffering for the sake of Christ. They are acknowledging that persecution of Christians will continue until Christ's second coming. They then consider that Jesus is going to come for Christians and remove them from earth before the great tribulation. And why is that? Because the great tribulation is about the outpouring of God's wrath. And 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a believer. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 1.9 explains, Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. It is important to remember that Christians' true citizenship is in heaven. Christians are Christ's ambassadors on earth. What is God's pattern? When he judges the earth or pours out evil, or I'm sorry, pours out wrath on evil, he removes his saints beforehand, even as our nation calls our ambassadors home before war breaks out on foreign soil. If you're not familiar with God's ways, let me share some examples of God removing believers before pouring out his wrath. Before God judged the world with a flood, he removed Noah. Before God rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, he removed righteous Lot. Before the Israelites burned Jericho, Rahab was removed from the city. Revelation 3.10 supports the timing of the rapture prior to the outpouring of his wrath in the end times. Jesus says, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I will keep you from, Jesus says. A second point to note is the way in which Jesus comes at the rapture. Do you recall what the angels said to the disciples at Jesus' ascension? In Acts 1-9, it states, He was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Acts 1-11 says, Angels said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. A third consideration about the rapture is the place of Jesus coming. It's important to note, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is clear. Believers risen from the dead and alive will meet the Lord in the air. A fourth point is the length of time it takes for the rapture to occur. 1 Corinthians 15.52 tells us, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the word moment in the Greek is a word from which we get the word Adam. It is an indivisible amount of time, much faster than a split second. A fifth consideration is the purpose of the rapture. We've touched on the purpose of the rapture in regard to Christ removing his ambassadors before pouring forth his wrath and testing the world during the great tribulation. But along with that purpose, we see God's further purposes in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, the transformation of the believer's earthly body 
into a heavenly body. 1 Corinthians 15.53 states, For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. So at the rapture, believers are changed into their mortal bodies to live eternally with Jesus. Now, the second coming of Christ is distinctly different from the rapture. The timing is different, for instance. Jesus' second coming is at the end of the Great Tribulation, not the beginning. We read of his coming to earth at the end of Revelation, after the seal of judgments, after the trumpet judgments, after the bowl judgments. The way Jesus comes is also different. Revelation 19.11 tells us, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is not the same scene as his appearing together believers to himself. The place of Jesus' second coming is also different from the rapture. The meeting place of the rapture is in the clouds, in the air. The meeting place of the second coming is on earth. And to be more specific, Israel, and to be more specific, the valley of Armageddon where the armies of the world are gathered. We also see the length and time and purpose for the second coming is different from the rapture. We've touched on this. The time involved is far more than a moment, a twinkling of the eye. At Christ's second coming to earth, he is coming to judge, wage war, strike down nations, throw the beast and false prophet in the lake of fire, bind the devil for a thousand years, and set up his millennial earthly kingdom. That is not a twinkling eye. Our study of end times should know Christ is going to appear in the clouds and dead and alive believers at the time of his appearing will be caught up to meet him in the air in the twinkling of an eye at the rapture of believers. You should know their bodies will be transformed from their mortal to their eternal state. You should know Antichrist is going to rise to power. All hell is going to break loose. God will pour out his long-restrained wrath while still giving people an opportunity to repent. And then, at the end of a seven-year period, Christ will return to earth with the armies of heaven. And world war against Jesus will end in a bloodbath. Then Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. Our study is not just what you should know, it is what you can do. Call on Jesus, repenting of your sins so you will go with him to heaven and not be left on earth with Antichrist reigning and raging 
and Christ pouring forth his judgments on him and Abel. Get your priorities straight. Set your mind on the things above. We can't answer the question, how long, God, before he appears and calls believers to himself, ends wars, binds Satan, and establishes kingdom on earth. But we can be assured of the rapture of believers and of the second coming of Christ to earth. Are you ready to meet Jesus, whether by natural death or his coming? Lord, come quickly. We pray this in Jesus' name.